Um, some of you who know me know that I'm a little bit um, uh, of a of a jazz kind of uh, I don't know nerd connoisseur freak of nature. I'm not really sure. Um, I, I like jazz a lot, and the one of the guys early on in my kind of jazz career um, that came up early, his name is John Coltrane, and John Coltrane. Uh, has a song called Giant Steps. And I don't know if you've heard this song or not. Um, everybody should, by the way. Um, but uh, when I first heard John Coltrane's Giant Steps, my mind was completely blown. It was, com- I, I was like, I did not know what I was hearing. All I knew is I really liked it. And I also couldn't really understand it. And if you don't um, know this other JC, this other John Coltrane, you're completely missing out. He's a, he was a saxophone player with Miles Davis. Um, then he, was, he had his own solo career. He played with loads of people. He was a genius. He was a talented genius. Uh, he pushed the boundaries of what someone could do in jazz. He was around in the 60s, and yet even now, people are still kind of not really matching up to the boundaries that, that he kind of put on there. Uh, no one can really, I think, in my head, can really match up to his level. Now, Giant Steps in particular, that song, I mean, that record's amazing, but that song in particular is an insanely complex piece of music. Most pop songs or rock songs will have like one tonal center, like one... one um, area of, of, uh, of sound that the music is kind of focused on, one key. Giant Steps has 11 tonal centers, and that's just in one verse, and the verses go on and on. So the, the, basically the key is changing every two bars, which is insane. It's insane for that to be happening in that complex way and also for it to be an enjoyable thing to listen to. You can make complex music and it not be enjoyable, but this is complex and incredibly enjoyable to listen to. It's crazy. Okay, I'm going to simmer down a little bit on the John Coltrane stuff. Uh, when, now, when I first heard this, I felt like it was my mission to show other people. For other fellow jazz... I mean, I was 14 years old, I think, or 15 years old. I was playing saxophone, and other jazz players, I was like, you have to listen to this record. It's canon. It's, it's, it's amazing. For people who like weren't into jazz, I was like, but maybe you're not into jazz because you don't know this record. Or you don't know this album. You don't know this artist. If you hadn't, like, this is the one that will change you. It was like my mission was to bring people to Coltrane. And as amazing and important as John Coltrane is, there's actually something more to life than 60s modal jazz. Who would have ever kind of guessed? Uh, but in this story, uh, we learn that the Holy Spirit has a mission. Uh, not for John Coltrane, um, <laughs> but, but to bring people to Jesus. And he empowers us as the church to do that to join him in that. And he, he uses God's word to do that as well. That's what we learn about in this story, because that's also the purpose of the Bible, is to bring people to Jesus. So the Holy Spirit brings people to Jesus, the, the Bible brings people to Jesus. And this is all actually really good for us, because we need, um, we, basically, we need it. It's what we need. It's also what other people need. Last week, we learned that if we're freed by Jesus— we get to live as humans who are fully alive. And that means we get to be the kind of people for others um, that we really want to be. We, and we get to be the kind of people that we actually want to be in our own lives. And without God working in us, there's kind of no hope for us otherwise. And so uh, we'll dive in here and see how the Spirit uh, calls us to Jesus. We'll go back and forth here and we'll keep, um, let me keep this up here. Uh, the Spirit, how the Spirit calls us to Jesus. Um, the Ethiopian eunuch, or as I might call him, the EU, uh, has a good, he has a good job. His background is he's looking after money for a country. People who look after other people's money, especially other countries' money, 
generally they have money themselves, you know, like they're doing, he's doing pretty good. He has a good job. He's, he's comfortable. Maybe you're like, why is he a eunuch? What's the deal with that? Well, it was pretty common if you worked in a, in a royal court to be a eunuch. So sorry about that, but you get a good job. Um, so he's an important official, as it says. Uh, he's got money. He has a comfortable life, cush job. He has his own chariot. He's hanging out in this, he's got the cool car. Um, but something was missing in his life. He was curious. He had lots of good things, but th- those things just kind of weren't enough. And, and he was hungry for something more. And he asks for help. Eventually, when he understands this, this piece of the Bible that he's reading, uh, he, uh, he, he understands it, then he gets baptized, and then he gets happy, and we'll talk about his kind of progress as he goes. But this eunuch, uh, the, the EU, he's spiritually hungry. And so many people today are just like that. I think I'm thinking of our neighborhood here in Charlton. A lot of people might have those good jobs or might be well off, but actually a lot of people are quite spiritually hungry. We know that from just seeing all the things that are on offer around us through all kinds of spiritual things that people join up with. So Charlton is spiritually hungry. And we recognize the importance of the spiritual life in some ways, but how are we being fed spiritually? If we could see in the mirror our spiritual life every day, um, what, what would it look like? Is it satisfying? Is our spiritual life satisfying? Now, the EU, he's got the scriptures. He wants to understand, but nobody's there to explain it to him. He says in verse 31, um, he says, how can I understand unless someone explains it to me? And then he invited Philip to come up and sit with him in his cool chariot car thing. So he has a hunger that can't be satisfied by himself. He needs someone else in his life to help him out with this. And he's reading a passage from Isaiah. Isaiah is a prophet in the Old Testament, hundreds of years before Jesus, but he's writing about Jesus. And he's not really getting it, this, the, the Ethiopian eunuch. He's not really getting it, and he's frustrated. He's hungry, but he's also frustrated. But even in this frustration, the Spirit is doing something. And when the Spirit works through Philip to help him understand, now the Ethiopian eunuch gets it. He wants to obey immediately, which means getting baptized. Now, baptized isn't just uh, some kind of ritualistic kind of thing that you do just to be in a club or something like that. It's an outward symbol of a new identity that we get inside. It means I used to be this way over here, but now I'm this way over here. And uh, baptism is a symbol of being part of this new family because inside we've been changed. And it's basically saying my identity is now is connected to Jesus. My identity is not connected to anything else like myself or anyone else or anything else. I mean, those things might try and still try and grab me and make me act in the way that I used to. But ultimately, my character, my general disposition is one that's connected to Jesus now. And there might be some people who are watching on Facebook or YouTube or maybe here who are in our church now um, where this is really resonating with you. You might feel spiritually hungry. You may not be satisfied with the way the world is right now. Is anybody actually satisfied with the way the world is right now? I mean, maybe uh, some of your comforts have been removed. Maybe some of the noise that you have surrounded your life with has dissipated a bit, and you're left with asking and thinking about questions maybe you haven't before. If that is you, I I think it would be good for you to take a cue from what's going on in the life of the Ethiopian eunuch here. Uh, we don't, none of us in Redeemer want you to miss out on getting to know Jesus. All of us would love for you to have an experience like the one that the eunuch is having over here. And, and all of us uh, actually pray that more people would have those kinds of experiences, that the Holy Spirit would actually work. And this is something that anyone can get in on. 
It's kind of like if I was to read a guitar repair manual, I would maybe understand some things, uh, but mostly I'd be lost if I was just reading it kind of by myself. But if someone came alongside while I have the, the, the bonnet up and I'm looking at the engine parts and trying to figure out everything, um, if I had someone coming alongside and explaining to me what that manual means, I would probably get a lot of it. Now, I'm, I, I wouldn't be amazing at fixing cars. Like That's just never going to happen, unfortunately, in my life. But I think you get the idea. Basically, if you've ever tried to read the Bible yourself, you might find it hard to understand. It's difficult. You might find it boring. Or you might find it not applicable today to today. Now, all those things are are problems that are easily remedied when reading with someone who understands it, when you have someone to be able to explain it and understand it, which is why, as a church, we get together and and listen to sermons each week. So all those three problems that um, it's hard to understand while someone knows and can understand it, well, that's great. The Bible being boring um, just means we don't actually understand how it connects with the deepest parts of our lives, which it does. And having the Bible thinking that it's not applicable to today uh, just means that we don't actually aren't reading it and understanding it because we are the same humans we were 2,000 years ago. We have the same spiritual needs. Our technology might have gotten better. We might be able to video conference now. But I'm still lost by myself. And the Bible gives us more information. It tells us about who God is and who we are. Now, if anyone on here is listening, and including everybody here on the video chat, or somewhere else out there on the interwebs, if you want to learn more about the Bible, we want to help as a church. We want to help come alongside you as a church. We want to join in with you on that journey as much as you would want us to. We want to walk you through this. So you can go to the site that's listed kind of at the bottom here. It's redeemermcr.com slash live. Click the sign up button and just say you want to read the Bible with somebody. Um, or if you're on Facebook, you can message us. It's actually very easy to find out who we are. So if you actually want to know about what the Bible says, you can. Now, none of us in Redeemer want you to miss out on learning how much God loves you, which is really one of the main themes, if not the biggest theme that the Bible has, how much God is in love with his people. And when we learn about Jesus, as the Bible teaches us, we move from frustrated and not getting it to rejoicing. The end of the story in verse 39, the Ethiopian eunuch goes about his way rejoicing. That means to be over, overwhelmed with love, to overflow with joy and love. Wouldn't we all want to live that way, especially now where it's, it's difficult to see the bright side of things? Now, for all of us as a church, for everyone who's in this Zoom call here, um, there are people in our lives who the Spirit is calling. There are. I know that there are. It might not be as quick and uh, clear-cut as in this story. You may not um, hear an angel of the Lord telling you to walk down this road and do this thing. But there are people in our lives that the Spirit is calling. Uh, It might take years. It might take decades. But let's not be jaded or cynical here. The reason loads of people don't come to faith isn't because it's a problem with other people. It's actually the way that Jesus talks about is it's a problem with us. And um, in Luke, let me bring it up here, Luke 10, 2, it says, Jesus talking to the disciples, he says, he told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So the prayer is not for the harvest. The prayer is for us, the workers, because we're so reticent to actually be obedient. We just shy away from obedience if there's any possible way out. And so what we need to do is we need to pray for ourselves, we need to pray for others, we need to pray for our church in order that we would actually be the kinds of people that Jesus has made us to be. Because that's who we are. And we need to not flee from that identity, but press more into that identity.
So prayer isn't for the harvest, it's for the workers. So let's look at the next point here. Um, the Spirit tells us to join Him. And here's how that worked in, in this particular story. The Holy Spirit was talking to Philip, and Philip used the Word, the Bible, to talk about Jesus to this Ethiopian eunuch. So we have the Holy Spirit to Philip, to the Bible, to Jesus. That's how it worked. In verse 26, we see uh, the angel of the Lord telling Philip to go down this road. In verse 29, he's saying the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Now, this is not a very normal, typical experience, I have to say, just to let everybody know. If you're not hearing the literal voice of the Spirit telling you to go near a chariot, that's okay. It just kind of means, you know, you might be normal. Um, Philip, and let me just give you a bit of orientation here. Here is a map of, of Jerusalem. So uh, he, Philip was called to go from Jerusalem uh, down to Gaza, which is over here. Now, these yellow things are ancient Roman roads. These are probably the roads that Philip was on. So Philip was going along this road to eventually get to Gaza. Now, at some point during this journey, the Spirit told him to go to a chariot. We don't know kind of what point from Jerusalem to Gaza told him to get there. Um, but uh, at some point, that's kind of what happened. And Philip didn't just walk slowly there. It said he ran there. And then later on, in some kind of really weird and mysterious way that the Bible, like, for some reason doesn't choose to explain. Thanks, Bible. Um, Philip gets whisked away to Azotus over here. And then from there, uh, it says uh, in, towards the end of the story that Philip goes from Azotus all the way to Caesarea, which is up here. Uh, and uh, t- probably traveling this road here, preaching along the towns as he goes. Now, Azotus is like 33 miles away from Jerusalem. What is that? 33.7 miles away. So that's kind of far. That's not just like a across-the-room kind of journey. That's just a strange, miraculous thing that's going on here. I think, and as I was reading this, <laughs> like preparing a sermon about this, I'm like, what in the world are we going to learn about this? Because the Spirit is not whisking us away to other cities, and, and uh, that's just not the normal way the Spirit works in our context right now. What in the world's going on? I think, if anything, regardless of what you think about miracles um, uh, but, or their spiritual life or all the kind of things, as a follower of Jesus, if we're following the Spirit, we're going to find ourselves in places that we did not anticipate and we did not plan for. That will happen. In fact, if we find the only places that we exist, the only places that we're in, are places that we've determined ourselves, it probably means we are on our own path and we're not on Jesus' path. Because if Jesus is leading us, he's going to lead us on paths that we wouldn't normally take ourselves. And the Spirit is always going to, um, in some, not, not 100% of our time will be like this, but there will be times in our lives and we'll find our places, ourselves in places where we didn't anticipate, we didn't plan. But the thing about that is that the Spirit also empowers us there. It wasn't like that Philip was left there to his own devices. The Spirit empowered Philip as he was in these places that he didn't kind of understand where he was kind of disorientated. And, and Philip uh, was able to join the Spirit in his mission. And Philip does two things. He listens to the Spirit. And listening means responding. Like if I tell Colin he's not listening, uh, I say, go pick up your toys. And he looks at me. Words are clearly going into his brain, but he does not understand, or, or at least he doesn't obey. I'll say, Colin, you're not listening. Pick up your toys. He'll be like, no, I did hear you. I'll be like, no, you didn't listen, because listening implies obedience. It implies an obeying. Um, if anything, I feel like the evangelical church, like this is how we can end up as the evangelical church, is kind of like how Colin not putting his toys away, is we 
listen to the right words. We make sure they're the right words. We listen to a lot of them, but we're not the best actually following through in what those words say, which means we're not really listening. Now, theology is important. I'm, I mean, if, if I'm a nerd about John Coltrane, I'm an even bigger nerd about theology. Um, but theology by itself does not have the power to do anything but make hypocrites. Theology by itself, with no other kind of response, the best thing it can do is to make a hypocrite. So for all of us who, who are concerned about the right words, which is a good thing to be concerned about the right words, we also have to be concerned with listening, meaning, including in that, being a right kind of response. And listening to the Spirit means we're not always going to be in the places that are comfortable for us. We're not always going to be in places that's planned out for us. Now, that doesn't mean we don't plan. It just means when those plans change, when we go along a detour, we should ask the Spirit, what's next? I mean, if... if Surely that's such an easy application to our life now where we find ourselves indoors all the time, separated from people. And instead of just trying to trying to like barely muddle through, we should all be asking like, what's next? Because we're still on Spirit's mission. We're still part of God and what he's doing. But how he's going to do that is going to be not in a way that any of us have ever planned before. So Spirit listens to the, to the Spirit. But Philip, uh, so Philip listens to the Spirit. Also, Philip listens to the Ethiopian. He listens to the spirit and the Ethiopian. He talked with the Ethiopian. He didn't have to be super anxious about what to say when he talked about the Ethiopian. He's not like wringing his hands like, oh no, is this really from the spirit? Is it really not? Or what's the Ethiopian going to think about me? Or what is he going to laugh at me? Or kind of like, is he going to be offended? He just listened, Philip did. And, uh, and he is, comes alongside the chariot. Here's the guy reading the text, is listening. And then he asks him a good question. He said, do you understand what you're reading? Like, what an easy way to interact with somebody. Good questions are kind of worth their weight in gold. I guess you can't really weigh a good question, so that's a weird metaphor. But here's the thing. We can't ask good questions if we don't listen. It's required for us to listen not just to the Spirit but to other people in order to know what those good questions might be. And if we listen to others and never ask good questions, if we never bring Jesus into the conversation, we have to ask ourselves— do we really love them? Or are we more concerned with ourselves and how we come across? Are we loving ourselves more or loving the other person more? Loving, our, loving the other person more sometimes means sacrificing yourself or the possibility of awkwardness. It's the same thing for us today. Though this happened for Philip 2,000 years ago, we need to listen to the Spirit. And as we do that, we need to listen to others so that we might be able to speak now, the Spirit doesn't make us perfect in how we do everything. It's not like the Spirit requires a perfect model of asking the perfect question or having the perfect response or having the perfect life. In fact, often it's in our weakness that, that God works. But what the Spirit does is He gives us permission, calls us to join Him, allows us to be part of something bigger than ourselves, and empowers us to be able to live that way. And I think for all of us, we are all surrounded by noise. Uh, we need times in our day where we don't just turn it down a bit, but we turn it off. We need to turn the noise off at times. The Lord is always speaking to us, always. And are we taking time to listen to him? We have to have a time where we read the, where we read the Bible, because this is God speaking to us. We all need that ourselves. And we have to have the time where we speak to God which is also called prayer. We have to do that in our lives. Now, everyone's going to have the excuse, I don't have time. 
which is, I'm sorry, I've never believed before, but I really do not believe now. I know everybody has at least five to 10 minutes of time in their lives a day, at the least. I know everybody has that. So the thing is for this is to not set a high bar. If you're not already reading the Bible in some way or praying to God in some way, to just set the bar as low as possible. Make it five minutes. Set a timer on your phone so you don't have to keep on looking and wondering what time it is. And whenever the timer is done, just be done. Just take the smallest next possible step. Now, um, I sent this question out earlier to you all, and I wanted to get um, from from you all a question of uh, – or, or the answers of what does it look like to make time to listen to the Spirit in your own personal lives? Because um, I can say things that I do, but I think it would be great for, for all of us to kind of, or not all of us, that would take too long, for some of us to uh, describe kind of what their own spiritual life is like um, so that we can learn from each other and um, see how that works. So I'm going to, um, can you, yeah, I think you guys can unmute yourselves. You guys are all muted now, but you cannot unmute yourself if you want to speak. So whoever would like to go first, I'd love to hear of how do you make time to listen to the Spirit during this time of a pandemic? Hi, I'll answer first. Um, I haven't been perfect at it um, because sometimes I like choose to sleep or something instead, but there have been times um, since we've been home um, and since we've been doing school at home, um, I have a schedule set up and part of that schedule is 30 minutes of quiet, independent playtime for this guy. And um, Mm. during that time, I, if I'm, um, making good choices. Um, I, I, Colin, I am able to sit down and read my Bible and pray, um, for people in the church. Um, and so Colin, you need to stop right now. Okay. Um, and so, um, that's one way that I've been trying to do that. And like I said, I haven't been perfect at it, but it's been a majority of days rather than just a few days here and there. So that's been, um, helpful to make time for that. Um, I can play quietly. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. Thanks for that. Yeah. What about um, somebody else? Yeah, I can play quietly too. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it, it, for me, it's, it's uh, I, I think what you've just said kind of describes where I've been before the last few weeks. And uh, there was always time, you're always making excuses. And then when, and when there was time, you would think, oh, well, I've earned my right to watch Netflix or whatever, you know, at this, at this stage. So um, I, I'm now sort of forced through uh, circumstance to, you know, to kind of take on that discipline. And, and, and it's good because now as part of each day, I'll, I'll, read, I'll read the Bible and I can pray. And that's, you know, that's it's not I'm not saying it's a huge part of the day, but it's 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 more than it was. Uh, and. As with all habits, in, in the same way as I've sort of, well, I've started walking to keep fit this year, and that's become a habit. So I'm um, I'm hoping that this will now become a habit as 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 I go forward, because it just becomes part and parcel of what you do, and it, and it's really it's it's not a big step. It's just it's just a case of making making room that was always there for the thing that's the most important. Hmm. That's really good. Thanks for sharing that, Ross. Yeah. How how amazing would it be that? Um, and this is, I think. Uh, not not to downplay any kind of um, suffering that people are experiencing, but this is something where something like a pandemic can actually enable us to grow deeper spiritually. And so going through this, 
whenever life gets back to whatever the new normal will be, um, we can actually, yeah, build those habits and actually be stronger in our faith because of it, which would be an amazing thing to not, not waste the pandemic that we have. Um, yeah. Is, um, could, uh, is there anybody else who would be able to share? Um, yeah, I've been talking to the missional community about um, trying to memorize the psalm. Um, Josh is getting at me for not trying to memorize Psalm 119. But um, I think I'm doing a good job with this. I've got a really bad memory and I've got a really bad attention span. Um, so what I tend to do is when I read in my devotional time is I just kind of read to get through it. Um, I'm not really thinking through it. It's definitely not kind of hitting my heart. But I just thought, try and memorise this psalm. Um, so every single day, just reading the same thing, just kind of, it's, it was sticking there a little bit more. Um, and I, I hadn't really thought of it like this, but you kind of like, at least were implying um, evangelicals can tend to just like get a quantity of theology. And this is, I guess, an attempt to get a bit more of a quality Mm. Um, so not just kind of like let's read through the Bible in a day but just try and get like one little bit um, and let the Spirit speak through that oh that's great what what, uh, what psalm are you reading or are you memorizing Michael oh you test me no it's like <laughs> 131 it's like three <laughs> verses <laughs> 107 <laughs> oh yeah it's, it's a good 40 verses 107 is yeah that's that's not a short one well, well, yeah, I am so bad with memorization. Like, yeah, I, I'm pro. Yeah, I'm so bad with that. I, I can like, I know like bigger ideas and bigger like chapters and and topics and things. But yeah, the actual memorization of scripture, it's definitely something an area where I'm weak at. Yeah, thanks, I, I, man. Will we have ever um, more time to memorize um, scripture than right now? Um, no one really has anything going on in the evening, minus Zoom calls or, you know, all the kind of, or lots of Netflix. Um, but, uh, yeah, as I, I think those are great ways to take an opportunity for a time that, that is really difficult. Um, no, that's good. Thanks for sharing guys. Um, sorry, Greg. Oh, sorry. I just muted you. Who was that? Oh yeah. Uh, there we are. Sorry, just one super quick thing. Is that um, I find it so helpful. We've um, been praying a lot for each other times reading the Bible. Um, and like we've seen a lot of fruit from that. Um, so I guess if it is a thing you want to start doing or you're struggling with or whatever, I think asking other people to pray for <coughs> and your times reading the Bible is a really great thing because yeah we've experienced that as a missional community and it's been really awesome uh, yeah that's great yeah um yeah thanks for that everybody see me um okay you guys are all muted again sorry um Right. So, uh, so we talked about, um, the spirit's mission. We talked about how we join him in that. Um, lastly, we will do, um, the last point here is the spirit speaks through his word. So kind of actually what, um, what you guys were just talking about, um, and how you were bringing your lives to, to the Bible. 
um, and praying for that. And also another thing we can pray for is pray for if, if we're like, I have no desire to do that at all, but maybe I'd like that desire. You can actually pray for that desire and the spirit actually changes our desires in that. But the word calls people to Jesus. And, and uh, just like how we're supposed to call people to Jesus and the spirit calls people to Jesus, the word calls people to Jesus. And that's one thing I think we see a lot in this story. Um, here, the way that the spirit speaks to the Ethiopian is through the Bible. The way that Philip, Philip talks about Jesus is through the Bible. Like verse 35 um, says, Then Philip began, this is him explaining to the eunuch here, Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture, Isaiah, written hundreds of years before Jesus, and told him the good news about Jesus. Now this actually shouldn't really be that surprising, as crazy as it would be. I mean, Isaiah is a difficult book to read, but it's written hundreds of years before Jesus. But it should not really be that surprising that the Spirit uses the word to speak. And um, because uh, the Holy Spirit is God and the Bible is God's word. So of course, like the Bible would be a way that the Holy Spirit would choose to speak. In fact, it's the primary way that the Holy Spirit chooses to speak is how people get to see Jesus. And previously we've seen how something like big spiritual events like Pentecost, where the Spirit is coming down on people, needed explanation. Uh, people didn't know what was going on until Peter said, let me tell you, this is what's going on. That's the same, same way when Jesus was on earth and was healing people and doing miracles. People didn't kind of understand what was going on, and Jesus always explained what was going on. The same kind of thing here is happening in the Bible. Here, um, there's someone who needs explanation with, what, with, with the Bible, especially if you're going to read Isaiah. And Philip tells us how to read the Bible correctly. How to read the Bible correctly is through the lens of Jesus, especially the Old Testament books. And this is what Jesus taught his disciples after he resurrected. So after Jesus resurrected and they saw Jesus for who he was, and they're like, oh my gosh, it's the resurrected Lord here. You actually did the thing you said you're going to do. And they're on the way to, uh, to Emmaus. And Jesus gives them a Bible lesson, pretty good Bible teacher, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Um, and Luke 24, 27, this is Jesus talking to the disciples, beginning with Moses and all the prophets. Jesus explained to the disciples what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. In all the scriptures concerning himself. So everything, Moses, those are the first five books of the Bible. The prophets, those are the end books of the Bible, like where we find Isaiah. All of them are about Jesus. Uh, and if Jesus says this is what the Bible is about, that's a pretty good person to follow. Here's something that might be, um, uh, something that might be helpful. There's an image here. And this is, I think, what we see all the time. We see the word is always pointing people to Jesus, which means the word is always going into the world, is always saying this is who Jesus is. And we are on that journey. For as we read the Bible, as we read the word, it will always point us back into mission. The word itself is missional. And so the word always points us back to mission. And when we find ourselves out there in mission, like in situations that we didn't anticipate or plan, kind of what we just talked about, or even just kind of like a normal conversation and it, it gets like really spiritual or you're like, oh, I think I really should ask someone a question. We don't know what to do. And that's totally fine. Of course, we don't know what to do. We're not God, we're humans. And so as we're in these areas that we can't anticipate, we can't plan for, we're in the on mission in the world, 
we have to go back to the Bible and see, well, what does God say about this? What does God say about a church gathering together when we're all separated with a pandemic? Do we not gather anymore? Well, no, actually the Bible says we should. Do we not sing anymore? No, actually the Bible says that we should. And so we have to always bring those questions of mission back to the Bible. And as we're there in the Bible, getting through, getting involved with what the Bible actually says, listening as in responding, we're always going to find ourselves, if we're being obedient, on mission in the world. So the word points us to mission, and while we're on that mission, we're not enough. Like, of course we're not enough. Don't try and be enough. That's where you get it wrong. Go to God. Be more dependent. Um, be more weak. If anything, we, it would be amazing if we were more weak in our Christian walks and bringing that to God. And we say, well, what does God say? What does God do? So what could have been some of the things that uh, Philip um, was actually talking about? Like, what could, how does Isaiah, a book written hundreds of years before Jesus, tell us something good about Jesus? Well, the, I'll just read this quotation here that we find in Acts. This is from Isaiah 53, verses 7 and 8. It said, He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Jesus is this person. He was slaughtered like a sheep, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Jesus is the one who was unjustly killed. Jesus is the one who humbled himself to death. Jesus is the ruler of justice, was deprived of justice himself. His life was removed from the earth, from us all. Now, justice is setting wrong things right. It's giving out good consequences to those who deserve good things and giving out bad consequences to those who deserve bad things. And all of us have a problem here. All of us have a problem with justice here. For anyone who does not live their life for King Jesus, but seeks after other ways, that's treason. It's cosmic treason. If you were living here in the UK, but were spying for Russia, and the UK government found out, even if you were really sorry, even if you were completely sorry, completely penitent, completely repenting, you should still get a punishment, and you would deserve that punishment, even if you were a really good person, even if you recycled, even if you got groceries for your neighbor who's self-isolating, even if you, you know, uh, adopted puppies, or whatever the great possible things would be, you were only vegan entire life, you would still rightly deserve that punishment for treason. And if you didn't get that punishment, let's say... Uh, you didn't get that punishment, and then the story leaks out in the media that there is this spy who's been living here. In the UK, the government found out, and then they didn't even punish you. That would be all over the headlines of how unjust that is, that you didn't get punished as a spy. And rightfully so. Rightly not getting punished would be an injustice. You were spying for Russia. You put some other country's well-being, some other country's values, some other country's way of life above this one all along? That's completely wrong. That's treason. And yet that's us. We're living in God's world and putting something else above, not, not living in the way that God's telling us to live. We're putting ourselves above. We're putting some other values that are not from God above. We're living kind of treasonous lives. So we have this problem, but what do we do with that problem? Isaiah's passage is saying that not only are we stuck in our treasonous ways, there's no way out for us by ourselves. There's no way out. We can't get out. So what God did is 
he got us out. God had to. God came down. He saw us in our need. He saw a just punishment on our heads, but took that punishment on himself. So he was led to the slaughter, not us. He was humiliated. He was deprived of justice himself, taken from the earth. And this is good news for everyone who follows Jesus, because that punishment is not on us anymore. Jesus took it all. And the punishment that brings death, that punishment has been put to death. Jesus said, it is finished. It's done away with. No more. So now we get to live without the burden of that punishment on our backs anymore. We get to live not as people who are stooped over and kind of staring at the ground, but people who are walking straight and able to enjoy the world as it's meant to be, the world to its full, able to really enjoy it, Every, a way to go away rejoicing like the Ethiopian eunuch, to be overflowed with, with joy and with love. And normally, our lives are full of noise, full of stuff, full of things to do. And the anxiety of having to fill every second comes from not confronting this reality. We deserve death, and by ourselves, we cannot do anything about it. Now, with some of those things being stripped away, some of those noises are lowering, some of our time is kind of now empty, how are we going to come to terms with this reality? If Jesus has not taken that punishment from you, what are you doing with it? How is that interacting in your life? If Jesus has taken it from you, that's how we can go away rejoicing like the Ethiopian eunuch here. What an amazing life we get to live now, one that's unburdened by everything that we rightly deserved. Now, God chooses to work through his church in everything. And that means all of us in the church. That means me. That means all of you. So now, more than ever, because everyone's doing Zoom calls or FaceTime chats or video chats or having phone calls or whatever the things are, it's more. It's easier than ever to actually read the Bible with somebody. So I'm just going to show you briefly one thing that I've used, and I've talked about this before. Um, at, but even though I'm just showing one method, uh, it's not really about the method. It's more just about actually doing something and obeying. Um, so here's how easy it could be. If you have someone who wants to read the Bible. Um, or if, if you don't know, an easy way to ask is, aren't you interested in, you know, or at least curious about reading the book that more people have read than any other book ever? You know the Bible? Actually, I, I learned this recently through our Alpha course. Um, it, it is, all, is constantly removed or, or is, is, is always absent from the bestseller list because if it was on the bestseller list of books that are being sold, it would be there every single week every year, all the time. So they're like, yeah, we're not going to have that there all the time because no one wants to see that all the time. So people are reading this book and they're obviously there's something to it. They're getting something getting out of it. So you'd ask somebody, are you, are you curious? If so, I can read the Bible with you. And, and if you don't enjoy it, then we don't have to do it again. I'm not signing you up, not twisting your arm. Um, if you don't want to, that's fine. But um, a lot of people have read it and the majority of the world, or the majority of people who read it actually find it um, helpful. So here's one easy way that... Um, that I use. It's called the Word One to One, uh, and these are these all PDFs are all free online. So um, it's all free. No one has to buy anything. You can bring up the PDF together on your phone or your tablet or your computer and call and walk through it. Um, the way that the Word One to One works is the Bible's on one side, and there's explanations on the other side. And so you have the text over here. You guys can read it together, and you can read the explanations here as you're listening to the Spirit as you're listening to the other person and hopefully being able to ask questions as you go. Um, if there are questions about the Bible, it's also answered in the actual PDF document. 
Um, because asking, having someone to come up with their own answers, especially if they've never read the Bible before, is not only intimidating, but often like the answers are just not really good because no one actually knows the answers because they haven't read the Bible before. And so this one just has, well, who is what the word and tells you what it is. Now, um, this is such an easy thing to walk through. Like you don't have to prepare anything except to be able to pray ahead of time and maybe have a look of what you're reading. But everything is all here for you. Um, it's a really easy thing. I've done it with lots of other people. Um, and I'm doing it with a, a couple of people now. Um, then you don't have to use that method. There's so many other ways to do it. Um, that one's called the word number one, number two, number one. By the way, if you want to look it up, it's free online. Um, it's a very easy thing to do. I think now more than ever is uh, there are going to be opportunities where we can ask somebody that. And it doesn't have to be awkward if they say no. Okay, fine, you move on and you talk about something else. If they say yes, like, okay, that doesn't have to be awkward either. And you just pick a time, just an hour a week or less that people might have. Now, that's like a little bit about methods and actually following through. But we would be remiss if we did not actually um, do something that's maybe even more important than figuring out a good method, and that's praying. If we don't pray, if we're not speaking to the Spirit, that means we're not really going to be able to listen to Him as we go through it. So we need to pray. First, we need to pray to actually ask people. We won't know if people are interested in reading the Bible, which people are actually interested in reading the Bible, which is crazy, but they are. But we won't know either way if we never ask them. We will be someone's no for them. We will make other people say no, basically functionally, by not asking them. We don't want to do that. Um, at the same time, it can be a really scary thing. It can be a fearful thing. But we need to pray, and the Spirit gives us boldness, as we've seen in Acts. So we can pray to see if someone is interested. And we can pray if we find someone and they are interested, then we really need to pray. Because we have nothing to offer of ourselves. The Spirit has something to offer. We need to pray if there's someone that you would like to be interested in and they're not yet. And pray that the Spirit would change them. And we need to pray if you don't have anyone in your life, and you're like, nobody in my life would even be close and remotely interested. Well, pray that someone would be and that God would put that person in front of you so that you would understand why that person is there. Could be someone who's already in your life, could be a newer person in your life. Now, I hope in all of this, and as we get to join the Spirit in what He's called us to do, the way that Philip has done this, I hope in all of this, all of us see how much God loves us. That he does not leave us to ourselves. He doesn't say you need to figure it out. He doesn't say you need to have the right words. Uh, he empowers us as we go through this process. And God himself went to great lengths, the ultimate lengths, so that we could know his love. And if there's people in our lives that we love, we should want them to have that same kind of love too, the same kind of relationship too. And the Holy Spirit, he's at work in this story. He's constantly bringing people to Jesus. He's bringing people who already follow Jesus to tell more people about how great it is to follow Jesus. He isn't far away. He's right here with us at work. Will we listen? Will we be curious? Will we respond? Now, the Spirit scatters for a reason. In persecution, people had to flee their homes. And we saw that earlier on in earlier um, chapters of Acts. And now we have this kind of mysteriously supernatural thing going on for Philip. He's getting whisked away to these other places. But the Spirit has a reason behind it all. The Holy Spirit always has a reason behind it all. The growth of the gospel, the advance of his church. And the Spirit is involved even now for all of us who are scattered in our separate homes. Now, Philip found himself in a weird place. He probably couldn't even explain what went on. And he didn't, seems like he didn't even really need to. But what does he do? He continues to do the work that all of us are called to do, to talk about Jesus, to press into Jesus' love and talk about Jesus. 
So when people have to do things like move back to Mexico, which is really sad, or when everyone is stuck indoors and not everyone is having the best time of their lives, very few people are, surely God is in control and has his purposes in this. Are we curious about that? Are we asking what's next, what he wants us to do? Are we listening? And if we are listening, are we responding? The mission of the Holy Spirit is to bring people to Jesus, and we get to join him in this exciting mission, not because we're good, not because we're clever, not because of anything else that we're we're passionate, but because we're his, and we're his forever.